Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and we're back with another, uh, I always want to say bi-weekly, but I never know <laughs> if that means twice a week or every two weeks, and every two-week update into our reading logs. Yes, and you said that you read just three books, but you liked them. Well, I read four, counting four, our can common reads. And I go. feel like I have read so many wonderful books lately. The spring has been just a really, really excellent time for brand new books. Yeah. And I, I cannot get enough of them. Well, I've got a bunch more. I have a feeling that the next one is going to be one of these ones when I pop up with like seven books because there are several more that I'm in the process of reading. I've been doing a lot of reading at night on the, uh, the iPad, which is unusual for me, but I'm finding some good stuff and that's some of what I'm going to talk about. I wish I could read electronically. It does require being awake, which, you know, that's... That is a struggle for me, yeah. but you can read electronically sometime before midnight. I know that's a struggle That's a struggle for me, so yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I just, I struggle with electronic reading for two reasons, and one of them is because it bugs my eyes. So I've kind of wondered if like a Kindle Paperwhite or one of those things that mimics the, the page... Might be a good thing for me. But the other thing is I can never, it's not the same as a real book turning pages. And when I read, no. I'll make connections and my mind will wander. And then I can't, I can't find it electronically yeah. like I can by flipping back pages. I'm not saying I like it as well because I don't, but I like that I can read in the dark at midnight and not be bothering <laughs> too many people anyway. Uh, all right. Tell us about the books that you've read. Okay. The first one was a book that, uh. I mean, this is a good example of how I'm going to use this because this was the first of a two-part set. I'm already working on the second part now. I had seen this a while back and hadn't gotten into it, but popped it up on the uh, iPad and, and started Maximum Volume, The Life of Beatles producer George Martin. The one I read was The Early Years, 1926 to 1966, uh, by Kenneth Womack, who has another Beatles-related book or two I've read recently. Um this is the first like, serious biography of George Martin. He wrote an autobiography, uh, which I actually haven't read called All You Need Is Ears. I want to read that at some point. Is, that's not the one that I keep picking up in Yeah, you found it in a, okay. in a bookstore and we're like, hey, and it is one I want to read, but I haven't read it. Um, as the title says, Maximum Volume covers uh, Martin's early life up to, you know, the Beatles become a thing and that's what he becomes known for. And kind of they're on the point of breaking through into this, you know, like experimental uh, band where the, the his production will take an even bigger role. But that's where we leave the first volume. Uh, a lot here I didn't know about George Martin. I always, if you ever heard George Martin, and he's just passed away very recently. He lived well into his 90s. He was always very proper and crisp. And I had this idea that he was this upper-class child of privilege, and it really wasn't his life. He was a very working-class guy uh, who just happened to get in on the, the ground floor on recording. Really didn't, you know, he made comedy records mostly before the Beatles, which probably was a, a pretty good uh, precursor to, you know, these glib lads from Liverpool, but he struck a big time there. I always feel like when you watch things about the Beatles that he's in, that he is one of the rare voices of sanity around them. Oh, very much. Always, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and was, you know, from day one up through the end. Yeah, I, I, there's a great video out there on social media not long before he died. One of his little, I don't know if it's his grandchildren or his great-grandchildren, it's a little girl, 
and she asks him something about the Beatles, and he gives her just this beautiful, polished, precise, two-minute answer that, yeah, it could have been a documentary film where somebody stuck a mic in his face, and you're like, this is just who he was. Uh, great guy, and interesting. Uh, I look forward, I've read a little bit of the second volume, but I will probably talk about that next time. And then, next up, continuing the presidential uh, program, I started a Lincoln-related book, but it had minimal Lincoln content, so I grabbed a hold of this. It sounded interesting, and it was Getting Right with Lincoln, Correcting Misconceptions About Our Greatest President by Edward Steers, Jr. Uh, I've read another one of Steers' Lincoln books, and this is, it wouldn't be a starting place, but if you've read about Lincoln, it's pretty fascinating because Steers picks about eight or nine uh, misunderstandings, misconceptions, and kind of just sets the historical record straight uh, through talking about what other people, you know, found in their research. His first chapter was really interesting to me. One of the big things about Lincoln is this idea that he didn't get along with his father, and that's what he talks about in chapter one, and he makes a pretty good case that that's really just not the case, that this kind of grew out of uh, misunderstanding and half-truth into to one of the chestnuts of Lincoln when it really might not have been the case at all. But I'm trying to think some of the other things he goes through. He talks about the whole Ann Rutledge thing, that this was the great love of Lincoln's life, which of course was born out of people who hated Mary Todd and thought she was nuts and thus wanted to discredit her. Um, what were some of the others? There was one about Lincoln's health. Uh, all of these people, Marfan syndrome is one of the common things. People are convinced that Lincoln had that, and he's like, there's no real basis to decide that. Um, you know, lots of other things, but a fun read. Uh, again, I like Steers as a writer, and if you've read some Lincoln stuff, it's interesting. Very different than the biographies I've read of some of the other presidents, but uh, I've enjoyed it, and I'm already working on an Andrew Johnson. So Good for you. Then... Uh, a False Spring by Pat Jordan, one of the uh, most famous baseball books ever. Jordan wrote this, I feel like, early 70s. He had become a professional sports writer, and he told his own story. He looked back at his life as a failed baseball prospect. Uh, so it's a memoir, and it's got that kind of nostalgic, downturned tone, because, of course, he was a failed baseball player. Uh, I read this way too young, really. I read this as a kid, and I didn't really get it. And I read it this time and really did get the beauty of his writing. And again, that kind of bittersweet nostalgia of youth being wasted on the young. And he was just this goofy kid who could throw a ball real hard, and he never really learned how to do anything with it. And, you know, that uh, was a pretty good jumping off point. But enjoyed it. Do you know, you really need some more fiction in your life. I don't know. Reality's weird <laughs> enough. I don't, yeah. Those sound like interesting books. They sound extremely you, but you need some more fiction. And maybe we'll fix that over these next two weeks. Well, maybe we will. And <laughs> hint, hint, foreshadowing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think I've pretty much exclusively read fiction over <laughs> the last two weeks, except for our shared read. Everything else is fiction. Oh, there you are. Okay, so the first one is French Braid by Ann Tyler. I don't think I've ever read anything by Ann Tyler, which may be kind of shocking to people as she's an incredibly prolific writer. Um, I actually saw this book in Carmichael's in Louisville. We were there with our friend Sherry, and mm -hmm. she saw it behind the counter and was intrigued by it and went and asked um, 
the clerks like about this book and they shoot her away and said it's not out yet. So you couldn't get a hold of so it. So it was there, the but it wasn't there. There's was a stack of them behind the counter, but you couldn't get it yet. Wow. So she and I were both kind of um, on the hunt for this book. And then uh, our friend Haley of the Lazy Bookshelf read it and said, I think she compared it to Ask Again Yes, which we talked about. We loved mm. that. And she said that I would really like it. So I read it and I'm, I'm very glad that I did. It is um, a family saga over a lot of years. It follows the same family. Um, the French braid thing with the title comes in at the end. I did spend a lot of the book wondering why they called it French braid because it follows just, you know, the different characters of the family. Um, I thought it was just a really interesting story of how families fit together. Um, there are a lot of people who approach their family as being like, well, you know, you can do whatever you want to here because your family's got to love you no matter what, but they really don't. Um, and looking at the ways that families kind of fall apart and come back together and what are the threads that still tie them, no matter how they feel about each other, I thought it was a really interesting premise. Um, then I read Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus, which was a massively hyped book. Lots of people saying that this is one of their top 10 of the year already. Um, it's, this, it's a story of feminism, really. A woman in the, I guess, the 50s, I can't remember, who wants to be a chemist, but um, she is prevented by the patriarchy. Um, she does work in chemistry, but like everywhere she turns, um, things are blocking her. For the majority of the book, she runs a famous cooking show. She is like the Julia Child of household cooks, but really she runs her cooking show like a chemistry lab, explaining to housewives across America how cooking is chemistry and like teaching them chemistry through her cooking shows. She stays true to who she is throughout the entire book um, through love, loss, motherhood, everything. And she's got a really fantastic, I don't like, I don't usually care anything very much about pets and books. She's got a fantastic dog who's has the equally fantastic name of 630. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting book all the way through i totally get why so many people have really enjoyed it i can also add that i looked at you reading it in the light shown off the cover in a funny way and i thought that it said lemons and chemistry which is also a great title and i think i've got to record an album of some kind of music just to call it lemons and chemistry mm. all right then um <laughs> <laughs> Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close. This is also a book that I looked forward to for quite some time. And I know what the title of this is about because I guessed it and guessed it right. You did. Very good. Um, this is a story set with kind of like the, um, the spine of this story is um, the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016 and mm -hmm. the, the Trump presidential election in 2016. They kind of bookend the story although most of the story takes place after this it, it was like in the wake of these massive cubs fans um and then these these not at all donald trump fans trying to make sense of what their world looks like when these two seemingly impossible things happen but honestly i picked up the book because you know cubs fans and also i like jennifer close's writing but this was really also, another family story. How do we figure out who we are? How do we make sense of um, dreams that are unfulfilled and dreams that are fulfilled? How, do they, how can they fit together into one life? Sure. 
Um, and also, again, how to be part of a family, how to find your place in um, when your family's kind of always clearly defined it. And it also really, um, the, the theme of food running through the whole thing, how it joins us, how it links us together. Um, honestly, I just loved this book. This is not going to be a um, plot-driven book by any means. It's a literary book. But I thought it was beautiful enough that I've handed it over to you. Isn't it kind of funny that we're in a world where, you know, one of the common themes you hear about is the breakdown of the American family. And, of course, divorce is super common and so on and so forth. And yet, a remarkable number of books still very much concern themselves with finding your role and your place within a family. Well, it's because whether it's the family that you have by blood or the family you've created for yourself, it's our community. It's the, it's the family is the spot that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it. And, and my, those two things I will never forget when the Cubs were down three, one in the world series, I looked at five com, And of course they're stat nerds. And they said, at this point, the Cubs have a 15% chance of winning the World Series. And at the exact same time, they said, at this point, Donald Trump has a 15% chance of winning the presidency. But we need to save some of this conversation for after you read the book. We will. All right. Um, and then I read Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which I will say in May will be in my top 10 books of the year. Maybe my favorite book of the Man. year. I'm not going to say that it is like... Actually, yeah, I probably am. This is just a great book. It's romance. I've read Emily Henry's books many times. Um, book uh, People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Reads are two favorite romances. Um, but if you just dismiss this book as a romance because it has some steamy scenes and then you don't want to read it whatsoever, you're really, really missing out. There's gorgeous writing. There are beautiful illusions. Um, really, really fantastic characters. Honestly, I cried some in this book. I like took pictures of passages because Emily Henry is a great writer. Darn. This was an excellent book. Um, it's called Book Lovers. The two main characters both work in publishing. Um, they have bad first impressions of each other, and then they find themselves thrown together in quite literally the scene for a book they have argued over. And um, <sighs> I don't want to give anything away because you should just read it. I loved every second of it. And I absolutely cannot wait to get through my TBR pile that is currently piling up so I can read it again. You know, and as you say this, I think, you know what else is missing from my reading list is any romance books. But I'm not sure I can put aside <laughs> the image of Rachel Karen Green in her heaving beasts. <laughs> 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 Who knows? You know, versatility is the, the flavor of life, so <laughs> who knows? So we'll, we'll start with the ketchup. We'll see how, how far you construct yourself. Anyway, the only other book that I read this week was our shared, these past two weeks, was our shared read, which you have mm -hmm. also alluded to, and it is called Bomb Shelter, Love, Time, and Other Explosives, and it is written by Mary Laura Philpott. This is a memoir. Mm -hmm. Really, that's kind of a book of essays. Um, I think she only has one other book, which is called I Miss You When I Blink. I was telling you earlier, I read that book when it came out. I was very interested in it because I love memoirs. I love, um, I love uh, essays. Mary Laura Philpott would probably also be an Enneagram One. So a lot of the things that she worries she's about so and is frustrated about um, 
it's the same kinds of things that tend to occupy my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very interested in the book. I really liked I Miss You When I Blink. It was a story of young motherhood. Um, it was a story of how to be a good mother, how to hang on to yourself, um, and all the worries that come along the way. I loved Bomb Shelter. Yeah, and you know, you talked about this a little bit uh, last time, and again, it's around, it's constructed around this narrative of one night, everybody goes to bed, and in the middle of the night, her teenage son wakes him up, and he's having what ends up being an epileptic seizure, and I mean, he's, uh, he can't do anything for himself, and you know, the the resulting freak out. But I came to it kind of expecting that to be the whole thing. Like it to be a storyline. Yeah, and, and it really isn't. I mean, it is it is kind of a focal point from which she works. But the, the beauty of the book really is by working from that, she can write about parenting. She can write about health and death. She can write... Um, about the foolishness of our own worries. Yeah, the lack yeah. anxiety of is a big thing. Again, a type one and enneagram person here, as as you you noted. Uh, but it really goes all over the place in the way that a good you know, memoir based essayist will. Um, so it 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 was a much more diverse and and sometimes poignant book than I had had been led to expect. Two two wild cards that I'm going to give mild spoilers on one is I love that she spends a decent amount of the book talking about a turtle who just comes by the home. I love well, the freaking no spoiler. turtle. If you, if you are on, on the cover, in, it? Well, it is on the cover. Yeah. And also, if you're on Instagram and you follow her, she has talked at length about this turtle. She posts pictures of it. She talks about why he's in the book. So that's no spoiler. I love the turtle. The other thing about, oh, a third, maybe 40% of the way through, I'm not looking at it, so I don't have the title of the essay, but there's one of her essays where she told a story um, of hearing somebody else relating this embarrassing anecdote of this mother who had a breakdown at a college visit and was yelling at oh, her daughter. Yeah, yeah. And she does the old Buck O'Neill trick. She she reimagines the whole story and, and gives some perspective for why might somebody behave that way? And maybe this person isn't, you know, some red-tailed devil who, who, you know, is the worst person ever. Maybe they really meant well, and maybe this was a really hard time. And by the end of the essay, I was just, I was really st struck. It was the Buck O'Neill trick, that trick of looking at other people and instead of judging them by our worst perceptions of their worst moments, trying to extend a little grace. Generously assuming the best. I feel like that was really another theme of the whole book. Um, because as she recognizes with her son, there was nothing she could do to control this, nothing she could do to prevent this from happening to him, and nothing she can do to prevent it from ever happening again. I mean, she does her research, she, she gets him the best treatment that she can, but this is totally out of her control, and it's like from that she turns the mirror back on the rest of her life. What else can I not control? What else do I love that I will not be able to take care of? And instead of flipping out about it. I mean, like, I, I kind of feel like you could, you could step up beside her and walk with her and be like, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in some ways, in many ways, I felt like this was a really, I read this right after I read Shauna Nequist. I guess I haven't learned that yet. And I felt like they worked really, really well together. 
Um, I was a little bit hesitant to give you this book when I finished it because while I really loved it, I wasn't sure that it would really be your kind of book. There were a few essays from it that I read to you and you were like, yeah, yeah, I really like that. But I think that's the way it was for you at the end of the book. There were many parts that you really liked. It is probably not a book you would have picked up on your own. No, which which is the beauty of the construct here. I mean, you had never read a Chuck Klosterman before. Uh, you know, hopefully occasionally we actually pick something good that the other wouldn't be aware of. So yeah, it works out well. I'll be reading some smutty romances between now and two weeks from now. Okay, I'm going to invite you to take the word smutty oh, away from oh. your description of romance. All right, just watching for the heaving beasts. <laughs> um, anyway, this is a wonderful book. All the way through. Um, if you do like to read essays, you like to read memoirs, and you really, I think it's it's for, because it is about motherhood, you know? And I think it would be for anybody in any stage of parenting, really, but I think mostly for parents of older kids. Yeah. I have heard some people say that this would be a really good graduation book to give to a mom i can see that. like if you're you if you have a kid who's graduating high school or college this would be a good book for her or him for dad you know yeah, yeah. okay anything else you want to say about bomb shelter no just uh, i was pleasantly surprised uh by the breadth of the book and and by what a pleasant light tone she has uh, on really serious topics yeah okay so that brings us to our next shared read, which is going to be, drumroll please, no shocks here, <laughs> Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close. You're going to get some fiction in your reading diet. Fiction and yet fiction that I, I've very much lived through. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued at uh, seeing somebody else's memory of two completely unrelated but proximate in time events that uh, both were shocking and astonishing so yeah um so we will we'll be back with you again in two weeks to talk to you about that and also about everything else we have been reading if you've read marrying the ketchups if you have not have any thoughts about that or anything else that we ought to be reading please let us know um you can find us on email at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter at pbackreaders. I checked that now and again. Pbackreaderspod, I believe. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, I generally check the Instagram. You generally check the Twitter, which is why we actually have a few posts on Instagram. <laughs> I do look at the Twitter now. Anyway, um, thank you all so much for listening. Yes, thanks. And for goodness sake, whatever else you're up to, you're reading.